welcome back, everybody, once again to not the radio, the brink. Thank you for realizing what we're doing as we come to you for our final normal edition for 2019. And somebody next to me is quite excited about that, aren't you? Why are you excited about that? Because then we don't have to record till the year. Right, that's, yep, exactly. Um, what has what your thoughts been on, on this year in general? Give me give me your take on 2019. It's been pretty boring because we live in Embergarden. Mm. I, I want to say that you, at the beginning of the year, weren't so down on this place. I think it was not like long ago you were saying that you appreciated living in this part of the world, but now, what, what are your general thoughts of being here? It's time. What, why it's is it time? time? Why, why is that? Tell me your thoughts. This town is so boring. Right. And anything else? No. No, it's just, it's just boring. What, what is boring about Invercargill? Everything. Give me three things that are most boring about it. There's nothing to do. Like, mm. there's nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Um, people suck. <laughs> and the drivers. The dri- Yes, very true. Very true. Especially today, I was uh, reversing out of a spot, and a car decided to literally just park in front of where I was, basically. So, um, yeah, and Kmart line today was quite crazy. People What's coming that? out, yep, just but just sitting in their car, not doing oh, much. Oh, I meant to ask you mm. to look while you were at Kmart for something for my boss for our Secret Santa, because I got my boss for Secret Santa. Why, why would I do the shopping for your boss? No, I was hoping you could help me because I have no idea what to get her. I just got um, the lady in my office chocolates because you know you can't. They literally have a section in the warehouse where it says "Great for Secret Santa," and it's all chocolate. It's just boxes. I got like a box of Cadbury's favorites and those shells. You know that you get those yummy. Oh, they're Belgian chocolate shells. They're really, really nice. Sounds good, but I don't think I've ever had one. What about your highlights for this year? You probably can't even remember any on this show because every single week you just literally sit in front of this microphone. And go, nye, 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 nye. Are you going to listen to the Pretty best? Accurate. Of, you going to listen to the best of next week? Yes. Are you really going to listen to that? Probably not. When was the last best of you listened to? 2010. Possibly. Did you really get that far? I think so. I don't remember that far. What about the Ben and Variety Hour? Because we've got our final live on. Probably ask you this on air this week. But uh. I uh, listened to part of one of them the other day when you were editing them together. And, and what did you think of what you heard? I had forgotten that I had sung... <laughs> I don't even remember what song it was. The world's forgotten that you're sung. Uh, you did, I think, a Taylor Swift song. I think you did. No, 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 no. It was one where I was singing because yes. I was just singing a song. Oh, um, the um, the pop, not not pop tarts, mini wheats. Mini, mini. Yeah, that's the one. Give, yeah, give us yeah, a rendition yeah. of the mini wheats. Go on. Mini, 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 mini wheats, strawberry flavor. Mini, mini. Is that actually how the thing goes, or are you just making that up? No, it's actually how it goes. Okay. No, no. don't look it up now. No. We'll look it up after. Yes, I, I believe you. Um, now, one thing that is exciting um, for us is that in but now less than two weeks, we get to eat normally for a couple of weeks. Now, first of all, your good news this week, you lost like a kilo. So I did. That's good news. But um, all right, hit us, hit us with your best ofs. What are you wanting? What are you gonna eat straight away when you see food? Hash browns. Hash browns, like straight away. That's it. Yeah. That's it. We're gonna be talking to um Noah a little bit on this episode about food and everything. But what else besides hash browns? Chalky milk. Hash brown and chalky milk. So you are eight. Yeah. I shouldn't bag you out because the chocolate milk is going to be one of the first things that I'm going to have because it's chocolate milk. It's it's amazing. Uh, anything else? What are some of the other cravings you're having? At the moment? I don't know. 
I have to say that I like am very pasta, mm. even like potatoes and like sweet potatoes. Mm. I am very proud of you because if I'm being honest with you, I mean you have chips. You have cheated like twice, but not even majorly cheated. You did, you know, just little ones. But I have to be honest, I didn't know if you'd last this long, and I didn't know if I'd last this long. And I think we've done quite well. So, you know, we're going to stack it all on in about. Two weeks, are we? Or? No, we're pretty excited about it. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Although I'm pretty nervous that I won't fit into my wedding dress when we get back. Well, that's okay. well, 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 I won't see, but you, you'll see and everything. But your mum arrives tomorrow, is it? Tuesday? When's she on a plane? She gets on a plane on Monday. Are you going to talk to her beforehand? <laughs> uh, Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, you don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Um... Which, you know, that's kind of exciting. She'll be in the same country as you. So, hello, Mum, listening. And um, anything else? How's Baby Yoda this week? Pretty good. Pretty good. They're releasing Baby Yoda pop figure. Like a lot more sounds this week than he has before, I think. He did, yes. Mm. Um, And actually, proud moment for Mallory. uh, That we've been catching up on all the Star Wars movies. um, And that she... Is eagerly we're going to watch two tonight, I think, hopefully. And we actually um, got our switch over to midnight tickets, so we're pretty excited to ride Skywalker. Yes. So next time you hear us in a normal episode uh, in in early January, we would have seen the ride. I probably would have seen it at least twice, maybe three times. Who knows? So um, are you are you excited now? Is this, is the excitement anticipating yourself a little bit more? Yes. What about no. the James Bond trailer? That was pretty awesome. Mm. Yes. Download 007, our trailer reaction coming tomorrow, uh, at least at the time we're recording this. A lot of stuff happening, but it's been a good year. We might talk a little bit more about that at the conclusion. Let's hear some fun stuff, and we'll come back and conclude it with Mallory. <laughs> the Days of Our Pies, the final one that we're going to be playing for 2019 for you, Episode 7 of Season 2. So this will end on a cliffhanger, and even more of a cliffhanger, because you're going to have to wait to early 2020 to hear what happens next. So let's hear this right now. Previously on Days of Our Pies. Hey, It's you, George! You live! Ah, Jennifer. Yes, I am. Right now, we just need to make sure the third bomb goes off without a hitch, without that bolt guy stopping us. Oh my god! Jennifer! Oh, Jennifer, no! Like pastry in the oven, these are the days of our pies. I'm Lisa Jones, and these are the days of our pies. As another bomb explodes in Ramsey Bay, leaving the builders of the hospital to pick up the pieces and start again, newly rediscovered to be alive George Pyman stands shocked as he sees his ex-wife Jennifer engulfed by a fireball with Usain Bolt, Roy Balder Cyril, and Billy Musibar all looking on. Ah, Jennifer... Why must you rediscover me to be alive, only for you to die? Why must you always be near buildings that blow up? And why, oh why must I still repeat my damn lines over and over even in this season? Man, it's okay. I will go look for your lady. I just had my nuggets and I'm ready to go, man. Usain Bolt sprints around the rubble of the hospital and searches for Jennifer, but finds nothing. Sorry, man, I can't find her. This is horrible. I can't have lost her just as she found me again. It's okay, George. I'm sure she will show up. We should go find Frank and tell him because he'll get upset if we don't. All four of them go to find Frank, who is still running after bedsheet after she blew the hospital up. Hold it right there! Police! If you don't stop, I will have to keep shooting! Oh my god! You like 
like totally shot me. Hold it right there, young lady. You are under arrest for the bombing of the hospital, the gym, and more than likely the police station too. Oh my god, you are like totally kidding me. I am like totally a teenage girl. Like, how can you like say that? I saw you with my own eyes, my dear. Leaving both places after they blew up, you have been caught red-handed. Like, whatever. Do what like you want to me. You like can't prove anything. Oh, I will find the evidence, little lady. You can count on that. While Frank arrests Bedsheet, her co-partner in crime and kind of disturbing lover Hugh Jars has returned to Prime Minister Arnold Schwarzenegger's side, and he has just heard the explosion. Holy crap! That is a massive explosion! Another one! Let's go to the Hammermobile and save this town! Sir, you know this town must be closed. I have explained the danger of Ramsey Base staying open to you, so it's imperative that it happens immediately! You are one puny little man, Hugh Jars! But for some reason, I feel the need need to listen to you. So let's go to the gym to work out before closing this town forever. Sir, you were just at the gym and saw it being blown up. Oh, my bad. Let's go lift some sheep and get some lamb sheep. Sir, why don't we hold the press conference tonight? That way, we can get out of here sooner. I fear for your safety, sir. Especially if it's meant to be another bomb going off tonight. Okay, but after we lift some sheep. As Hugh Arts and Prime Minister Arnold Schwarzenegger prepare to hold a press conference and lift the sheep, George, Roy, Billy and Hussein have all caught up to Frank, who has bedsheeting cuffs and is about to take her to jail. Hey man, good job, you got her. Now let's go get some nuggets. No, Zane, we must tell Frank about Jennifer. Hey, what about Jennifer, George? She, she, she's dead, Frank. She was blown up in the hospital bomb. No, you were just saying that. It's not true. He's right, Frank. I saw it happen. Frank begins to cry before grabbing George by the throat. It was you. You killed her. You shoved her into the fire. I know it. I know it's true. Frank. You're attacking me. You killed her, you son of a gun. Frank, stop it. It's not true. We were there and saw everything. Jennifer was standing outside after you ran away. And it just happened. Let him go, man. Come on, we need to get this girl to jail so we can stop the last bomb and get some nuggets. Please, let me go. I I didn't do it. Frank lets George go and continues to cry. I'm sorry, George. I know it wasn't you. I just can't believe she's gone. It's okay, Frank. I understand the pain you are going through. Let's just go get this girl to jail and do as the saying says and try to stop this last bomb. It's what Jennifer would have wanted. Frank goes to grab bed cover, but he's surprised when he turns around. Oh my gosh! The bombing suspect! She has gone! Where has bed cover gotten to? Will Prime Minister Arnold Schwarzenegger hold the press conference like Hugh just said? Will Jennifer be found alive? And what are Duna and Sheet cover up to? Find out next week on Days of Our Pie. Wow! I can't wait for 2020 now that I'm hearing these reactions and things like that to Days of Our Pies. So you'll hear more of it next year. Get yourself excited! We don't often get this man on for segments on this show because... He's too good for the brink, let's be honest. He's important and only gives up his time when he has it, which is never because he's popular and his name is Noah Groves. I don't know where I was going with any interest. Hello, Noah. Welcome back to the brink. Hello, Ben. <laughs> How are you, Noah? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? I feel like I feel like this is a very rare... Uh, you've caught me at a 
Caught you doing what? 20 minute free intervals. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to know. Um, I tried to get away. Yeah, true. Well, we say in 007 all the time that you are the James Bond of Korea. Um, Just living it up and doing your thing and everything. But um, we haven't done a lost episode in a while because that involves research and homework and everything. But the exciting thing is, is that we can probably do this in a couple of weeks in person because you and I are going to be in Hobart together. Yay! Oh, I'm so going to ghost you. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) You've grown up now. It's been like, oh, God, that guy. Drove around Tasmania with him. (laughs) Whoop-de-doo. But it's you and I were just talking about it off air, that this is the most excited we have ever been to ever say the words, I'm going to Hobart. Like, what is what is actually so exciting about coming to Hobart in only a couple of weeks? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, wanna, I, I, wanna, I want you to I'm explain this, excited. the cheese. Why is it so exciting to go for cheese? I think, uh, granted, I love Korean food, but I think a Korean's idea of cheese is, you know, those like, Things that come in tubes mm-hmm. that you, are a little stringy and vaguely resemble cheese. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's cheese here. So, like the craft singles <laughs> or like the stuff in a tube <laughs> yeah. or. Uh, yeah, it's both. Yeah. It's a variety. Right. So, why, <laughs> why don't they do cheese? Why, why don't Koreans do proper cheese? They don't do a lot of dairy. Uh, yeah, it hurts. Maybe you can find some camembert for 10 bucks somewhere and it tastes vaguely like camembert, but yeah, it's just not a thing here. And after 22 months, 20 months, I'm, I'm ready for a slice of cheese. So, so it has been 20 months since you have tasted cheese? I, I've eaten a lot of cheese here, but it's just, it's not the same. Wow. It's like... It's 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 the poor man's version of cheese. It's stringy cheese or mozzarella or something of that variety. So I'm ready. It's like Spectre, etc. to Double Oz Seven. It's the poor man's Australian James Bond podcast. I would have said probably vice versa, but yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I was you know I just wanted to be nice <laughs> for like two seconds, but um, that's crazy. That's that's really really crazy. What else are you looking forward yeah. to in in Hobart? What you know are you looking forward to? I don't know seeing the Seals at the wharf. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of things to see in Hobart. I haven't been there in over a year. I don't know. What are you doing, Hobart, now? The one... I'm, I've am i never been a big fan of steak, but I've just been craving a big, giant piece of steak because you, you can get beef here, but steak is so rare, and if you get it, it's very expensive. So I've never been a big fan of steak. Uh, Massive fan of steak, but just ready to devour a giant steak. And palmies. Sorry to go on about the food. No, no, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm feeling it. I am, I mean, I haven't been 20 the months palmy. without something, yeah. but I have been six months without uh, some lovely delights in my mouth, and I will be <laughs> able to do that uh, in Hobart. I'm, I'm looking forward to a, an actual palmy that isn't made with, like, almond flour. Um, I'm, Palmy. Oh, it's fries, <laughs> aioli, barbecue sauce. Oh, my God, barbecue <laughs> sauce. Oh, God, Coke, Coca-Cola. Um, oh, yes, no, I'm, I'm with you there. But you know that the funniest thing is, and um, we talked about this the other day on the Oz Network, download now via iTunes, is that 2015, you and I, 
Um, we went and saw Star Wars The Force Awakens at midnight. I remember it very well. We used to have our little mandates. We'd go and get our Builder Burgers at McDonald's. I got a si- sippy cup. You got a sippy cup, yes. We, we'd get Builder Burger. Um, I was at the Mercury still, so I would take oh. the two days off and kind of we'd make a little mandate out of it. And we got the sippy cup. We lined up. It was very busy. We ended up getting, I think, the 1230 tickets because the midnight ones were sold out. And then me- oh, that's right. <laughs> remember driving home and we just, we were talking and talking. We stayed up to about five in the morning. We just couldn't stop talking about it. We got up the next morning and we were like, fuck it, let's record a Star Wars episode for Survivor Oz because that makes sense. <laughs> so that was great. That was fantastic. Then two years later, like you went off to Europe, I think at that point and went off and lived a oh, that's right. <laughs> great life and you were off and about and I had life, everything had changed. We didn't think, oh yeah. Last Jedi, we won't be here for that. But lo and behold, we were in Hobart for The Last <laughs> Jedi. Um, I'd actually, back to Force Awakens. Remember sitting on my couch in my house and playing Lego Star Wars in the lead-up to uh, to going to see? Yes, that was good times. Um, Last sure. Jedi, we um, I vaguely remember going to Kmart afterwards to get Porgs, and they didn't sell them. Um, but we went to Glenorchy, <laughs> didn't we? That's right. And we looked at Christmas lights. And we did that whole silence thing because we were like, let's not say anything till we get we the car. Bilderberg. Yes, Bilderberg. All that, like, great times. But do you remember that conversation we had in the car that night? Where, because you were about to leave <laughs> to Korea, I think, in only a couple of weeks. I was about to leave to Queensland not long after that. And we both said to each other, we will not be here in two years' time to go see Star Wars. Like, th- like we will hate our lives. We will be like, fuck you. What are we doing here? And then we kind of had a chuckle. Like, oh, we'll probably will be here in two years' time seeing Star Wars. <laughs> so what are we going to do in Hobart in a couple of weeks, Noah? It, it's, yeah. See Little Women. It's destiny. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Frozen 2. Oh, God. Haven't you already seen it, Noah? It's amazing. Um... <laughs> It's crazy. It is funny the way that works, isn't it? It's 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 actually. I've not left Asia in twenty months. <laughs> and yet, where are you going to be? Of all places, <laughs> in a place that I'm going to be at the same time at exactly the same moment as a Star Wars movie comes out. Um, it is destiny. It really is. But it's it's going to be funny because you seeing it will probably be the first time you've seen it. I'm going to guess, unless you sneakily see it before you meet me or I don't know it comes out in Korea because you're not getting it to like February aren't you or something like that. I heard a rumor it's not coming till January but I don't know if that's been uh verified or not so well, it's all up in the air at the moment you may be seeing it for the first Koreans time don't like Star Wars it's crazy one of the only countries in the world they love Avengers they love all the big things they don't like Star Wars I, I find that fascinating because um, I think... Very fascinating. I, I wonder if that's just a Korean thing or is that like an Asian thing in general? Because I think the last Star Wars in China... Oh, the Japanese love Star Wars. They do? Well, I, th- I think it was China. Though. I read an article about how China's never really gotten into Star Wars. So, yeah, I, I didn't know if that was just a whole continent thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm seeing it at midnight. And I feel like I should take a photo of you and, like, sit it next to me or something like that just to keep up a little tradition. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one with me at a midnight screening. Make sure you get my, get my good side. Yeah. I'll just put a Noah mask on Mallory. Um, <laughs> 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 Wear this. Turns me on. Um, are, you, are you excited for the rise of Skywalker or are you going into this sceptical because of The Last Jedi? Uh, 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 
I don't want to be a negative Noah, but <laughs> I, that that movie's destroyed all of my enthusiasm for Star Wars. <laughs> I I I've been watching this new show. It's like whatever, and I saw that Han Solo one, whatever, <laughs> and going to this one, I I'll see it at the first available time. Ha ah, ha! We're both into as many. Oh ah, ha ha! Funny story. <laughs> I don't care, honestly. I really don't, and I wish I did. Wow, that hurts my feelings. Maybe we'll go see Little I've Women. Got such, <laughs> I've got such low expectations, and that's not even to say I think it will be bad. I just have no expectations for it. Will you go into this wanting to see anything like in particular, though? Like, would you like? And don't just say a good movie because that would help. But <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm crossing the fingers and toes that we get an Anakin appearance or a, you know an Obi Wan appearance. Are you, are you looking forward to something like this, or again, do you just not care? Uh. I don't really care. Uh, Obi Wan would be pretty cool. Um, Max Rebo. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, my my biggest thing is I just hope they right the wrongs of the last one and all the things that were stupid about that. Uh, I guess my only thing is I hope there's a lot of Mark Hamill in it. Mm. Force Ghost Mark Hamill. No, not Force Ghost. <laughs> Through the the fact that he died, let's oh, let's wreck on that, and let's just say that he's he he went away and he's back. Like, he had a nap. I, I would have no issues with them completely retconning all of that. Well, this is JJ. They could have you know had visions. It could be a flash sideway or a flash back or a flash forward <laughs> or something like that. You know, like something. Yeah, let's hope Last Jedi was all a flash sideways. Imagine, imagine if like all of a sudden uh, we joke about Matthew Fox, like all of a sudden the movie opens and his eye opens and then it's kind of like he's on a beach. It's like, I had the ama- <laughs> most amazing dream. <laughs> Matthew Fox is a Jedi. That would work. I'd, I'd be down for that. Well, Dominic Monaghan's in this. We've had a bit of a glimmer yep. of him in the trailer. We get to see Charlie, you know. Do you think he's, Did we? Yeah, he's like in uh, the last one with you see him behind Rose. You don't look at Rose, look at Charlie. Um, because that's what you need to see. Um, how is life otherwise in, in Korea? How how are things going for you? Any exciting taxi stories or um, <laughs> cats in the background? Oh, oh nice. <laughs> nice setup. <laughs> You've always got a good story to tell about calling up friends in the taxi or something. I think you did tell us that on air last time from memory. I don't know if you just told that to me or it was on air, but um, I don't know. You would make a great late night TV host. (laughs) Oh, and I heard a story about when you were in a taxi. Was that right? I did that to you earlier on the Oz Network. Didn't you do a poo on the mountain? And you're like, oh, thanks, Ben. Everyone needed to know that. Uh. I was thinking about this today. There's just many, many incidents in the taxi um, uh, or the taxi, as I think <laughs> the Korean word is for it. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I can tell you the one that I think you want me to tell. <laughs> tell give, me, give me a summarized version because whether this was told on air or not, who cares? We don't have any listeners. I, If this wasn't on air, this needs to be shared because this story is brilliant. I'll start you with a, a warm-up taxi story and then lead you into the, the main one. Um, because I was thinking the other day about last year I had a English-speaking taxi driver who uh, said he was a big fan of uh, 
Southern American food, not <laughs> South American food, Ameri- uh, food from the South of America. Right. Um, and that he loves America uh, and that World War Three is coming. <laughs> and he only likes 98. Uh, he, he hates 98% of the world. Right. Was he North Korean? I don't know what he was, but he seemed a little, a little concerned for <laughs> the future. And I felt a little concerned say, as well for still my a bit future. Concerned in the back so. of that taxi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he was unique. Um, uh, and another one, uh, I was in Norebang in Korea. Is it, it means music room? It's the karaoke room. Uh, is yeah, karaoke, but in Korea, Noribung, and me and my friend wanted to start Noro Taxi. Uh, <laughs> so, drunken nights home, we would start singing ABBA in the back of uh, <laughs> back of taxis. I can see that. Uh, start the Nori Taxi, and then one of the taxi drivers one time, oh, ah, ABBA Gold! <laughs> pulls out his ABBA CD, <laughs> cranks ABBA all the way home, singing along with us, just Dancing Queen, all, all, Mamma Mia, everything. Just he was ready for this Nori taxi, and nothing ever topped that. That was the end of the Nori. You can't top that. That's so that, was, Korea. that was pretty cool. That's that's yeah. that's the one story that you should just share everywhere. That one time we sung ABBA in a Korean cab, like yeah. yeah. So that was pretty good. It did destroy Nori taxi because you just can't go up from there. Um, but yeah, the other one. Uh, the 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 one that I think you're alluding to. Uh, one time I'm coming home at the train station, get in the taxi and uh, tell tell my destination. And this taxi driver, old man, maybe seventy, just so thrilled to be seeing me, <laughs> to the point where I'm almost certain that uh, I am the first foreigner that this man has ever met because he was just laughing he was chatting to himself he was just so amused by my presence um and he proceeded to speak full-on korean to me uh i don't speak korean i know a few things here and there but i don't speak korean uh managed to explain to him i don't speak korean in korean uh and then he he took it upon himself uh, that he would be my Korean teacher. Right. So in the in the taxi, he would teach me words, uh, get me to repeat the words. Uh, the the only uh, flaw in his taxi class, I would say, is that he would then explain what the words mean right. in Korean. Okay. <laughs> right. That makes complete sense. He would be so slow, so slow in teaching me the word, sounding out the word only to tell me what the meaning of it in Korean. So um, <laughs> I don't know what I was learning. Uh, so he's going along and he's asking me, uh, do you like soju, which is Korean's national alcohol drink, very strong. I wouldn't say delicious, but it's fun to drink. Oh, yeah, I like soju. Soju's good, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we, we drink soju together. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Uh, then uh, breaks out his phone. Ah, uh, oh, your number. <laughs> so at this point in time, oh no, 
I, I told this taxi driver I was going to drink soju with him, and now he actually <laughs> wants my number. He wants to meet with me outside of the, the bounds of the taxi. Uh, meanwhile, he's still driving while he's got his phone out, but he's driving on like the side of the road, so <laughs> people are beeping at him, and he's kind of uh, it's where I need to stop. So I'm telling him, "Yeah, here, here, here stop, stop, stop." Here, I've got his phone. What am I going to do? <laughs> This this could be disastrous. Having giving a taxi driver my phone number, uh, so proceed to enter my number, uh, and rather than what like a, a two at the end of my phone number, maybe I put a three. <laughs> uh, fake number, the old, the old fake number trick. Only only to see the, immediately after I put the fake number in. Oh, yeah, it's dialing. <laughs> he wants me to save his number through a dial. Uh, so he's dialing the fake number only for this poor girl to pick up. Hello? In Korean, hello, what's going on? Uh, taxi driver, completely bewildered. At this point, I'm thinking that he thinks that somebody has my phone <laughs> and that somebody's taken my phone or it's somebody I know. So what does he do? He hands the phone to me. <laughs> so I've got a taxi driver's phone speaking to a poor Korean girl whose number I've just surrendered to him. She's so confused. And now first she's talking to a taxi driver. Now she's talking to a, a foreigner. Uh, I'm, I don't know what to do. I, uh, hello, uh, hang up on the girl. He seems so confused, and then he's looking at at the number, and he's shouting, "It's not right! It's not right! It's not right!" <laughs> uh, so, I eventually, in a complete utter panic, oh three, oh, oh sorry, it's <laughs> meant to be a two. Give him my number, uh, and did he ring you? Did you go and have drinks? Probably leave the text. Well, suffice to say that I've not really answered my phone much. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. So that was, I would have to say, my u- most unique experience in a Korean taxi. Did you then get into the, the, the time that the Korean, old Korean Well, that's the thing. He didn't even have the Abba Gold. I would oh. gladly give him my number to Abba Gold, man. But... <laughs> Yeah. And then every like Saturday at three AM he just rings you up and says, like, Dancing Queen, young only <laughs> seventeen. luckily for me, I don't know how to ask for my exact address uh in Korean, just for uh nearby uh nearby prominent locations. So luckily he doesn't know where I live, but <laughs> Knocks on your door. I was on the edge for the past couple of weeks after that. <laughs> Oh, classic, classic. Love it. Um, I I appreciate your time, Noah. I know you're a busy man, uh, but we look forward to catching up with you. We will do a recording, no doubt, whilst we're in Hobart together and uh, reminisce on seeing Star Wars and say how we're not going to see the new trilogy that's going to be out in a few years and probably <laughs> be in Hobart in a couple of years when that's out as the well. The Robin Johnson trilogy. Oh, God, we're not seeing that, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I definitely will not be in Hobart for that. <laughs> and even if I am, I'm not going. Final classic interview for 2019. And this one's a little bit of a weird one. Now, Dolly Parton appeared on our show, which I'm going to say we didn't 
technically interviewer, but we did at the same time. Bit of radio magic was in it. I'm sorry to ruin the illusion for those of you who thought we really did interview the Queen of Country. But basically, we attempted to get her, and unfortunately, we couldn't get a one-on-one with her. But her lovely PR people did send us some pre-recorded audio answers to which we then dubbed over the questions to make it seem real. So the joy and beauty of magic of radio right there. Let's hear our quote chat with the legendary Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton is one of the greatest singers in the history of music, have been around since 1955 and released her 42nd album earlier this year entitled Blue Smoke. I had the honour of sitting down with Dolly Parton to chat about this album as well as her amazing career. Dolly, it is a huge honour to have you here on the Brink and Edge Radio. And, of course, uh, earlier this year we did uh, see you release your latest album, Blue Smoke. seems to really be the year of Blue Smoke. I mean, why why did you choose that as a a song title and what made you uh, make it the the album title as well? Well, it is and it ain't really. You know, it's like everything else. It's really very simple. I wrote Blue Smoke years ago and I love the title. And, of course, we are always known in the Smokies as that blue smoke that kind of comes off the mountains. And so that kind of fit because I'm from the Smokies. But also it has a lot of bluegrass flavors to it. So I thought the bluegrass, the blue smoke. And anyway, I just loved the song. I just thought it was a good title. And I didn't have time to do a photo session, so we just did artwork. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we just painted. I said, put a lot of blue smoke, put the mountains behind me. And, well, actually it was a real picture, but then they took it and you know, kind of painted, which I liked the way it looked. I thought it was was neat. So it wasn't really that mysterious, uh, but it made a good title. Anytime you're going to do a tour, you always think, well, I need to have an album to go with it. Or if you've got an album, you think, well, we better do a tour. So one kind of goes hand in hand. And so since that was the title of the album, we thought, well, it'll just be the Blue Smoke World Tour. So that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it uh, obviously works out well then with it. And uh, one of the, the tracks on the album, of course, is a, is a gospel cover of the, the Bon Jovi classic, one of my favourite songs of all time, Lay Your Hands On Me. Now, why, why did you choose this as a, as a song, uh, Dolly, and why did you include it on, on the album? Uh, through the years, I've, I've chosen songs from other fields of music, like when I did Shine uh, and when I did, uh, you know, different things I've done, like, um, oh, I can't even think of all the, the different ones, but I've done different ones pulling it from the pop field. But the first time I heard Lay Your Hands on Me years ago, I love Bon Jovi, first of all. I thought, wow, that sounds like that would make a great gospel song because I grew up where we believed in laying laying hands on people, praying for them. And uh, you just always think like for God to lay his hand, you know, hand on you, keep his ever, you know, loving hand on you. So I just thought, uh, when I got ready to record this album, I thought, well, which song am I going to choose to put in this, a cover, you know, where I kind of dollyize it and <laughs> do bluegrass and, you know, kind of country. And that one popped in my mind. And so I thought, well, that would make a great gospel song. So I thought, well, I can't just take the liberty of taking somebody's song and writing words to it without getting their blessings or having them help me with it. So I called John Bon Jovi because a lot of my people know him. And uh, we asked about doing it, and he said, that's fine. I said, well, can you help me with it? You know, throw me in some lines. Same with uh, Richie Sambora. I guess they wrote the song together. And so they just threw some ideas out, and I threw some ideas out. They loved what I was doing. I loved what they was doing. And I said, well, you wouldn't be opposed to winning a Dove Award, would you, if I should put it out as a gospel tune? They said no. So anyhow, it was kind of a thing that everybody blessed and approved and kind of everybody threw their two cents worth in. And it sounds absolutely uh, incredible. No one's opposed to winning awards and, and dollar, dollarizing it. Uh, I think that 
definitely adds a, a different ring to it. Now, uh, of course, on this album, uh, there's uh, a few bluegrass tracks, mainly bluegrass album. I mean, talk talk about your choice here to to do a few uh, bluegar, bl- sorry, bluegrass tracks uh, on this album. Well, I think this particular Blue Smoke CD is is kind of covers everything I've done. You know, in in my music, because I've I've said that in the liner notes that there's colors of all of me in this particular CD. But of course, bluegrass I love, and all of us know that bluegrass is one of the greatest music you know genres of all time. But you can't make any money doing it, so I never <laughs> could just go right into bluegrass back in the day. But I love the Grass Is Blue. That's one of my favorite albums I've ever done. But any of the bluegrass stuff I like. But we actually did some of everything in this particular album. But I especially do love the flavors that have that old mountain flavor even like songs like um if i had wings you know it it has more of that old world feel and you know the stuff that i kind of grew up with but bluegrass when you get those mandolins and banjos and fiddles and to me what makes it more bluegrass i love bluegrass harmonies so we did a lot of bluegrass harmonies even on songs like the lay your hands on me you know I, i purposely tried to even the ones that were more rocky or rock and rolly or you know harder country i wanted to flavor it with a lot of bluegrass harmonies, so wish I could just sing just Americana music and the old ballads and bluegrass, and maybe someday I will. Mm, well, maybe. We look forward to uh, to doing that. I mean, it, it is an album, I suppose you could say, of, of many colours, uh, to put it put it in a way. I mean, uh, obviously, you've had an amazing career, Dolly, uh, with everything that's uh, gone your way uh, for so many years. Uh, so many artists have obviously been influenced by your career and, uh, you know, look towards you as, as an inspiration. But, I mean, when you look back at, say, a young Dolly Parton and then the Dolly Parton that has just made this incredible album, Blue Smoke. I mean, is there a thing or two that you would love to tell uh, the the young Dolly Parton from all those years ago? Well, I'd tell her I'm pretty proud of her because, you know, when you get older, you really reflect and you really think so many things. And one of the things I think about is just how fortunate that I have been to have been able to actually see my dreams come true because I know so many people that can't say that. I know so many people that are far more talented than me that's worked just as hard and came to town, even some of them around the same time I did and never really made it big. So you, you wonder and you kind of go back to that Christopherson song, Why Me, Lord? Uh, You know, you just really think about all those things. But more than anything, I just think that little girl that headed out from the Smoky Mountains that moved here back in 64 uh, to try to make those dreams come true. And now here I am at 68 years old and have seen so many of them come true. But what's so funny, I still feel like that same little girl. I'm still dreaming, dreaming big. I still got new dreams to dream, new dreams I hope to come true. So I just love the music. I just love to write, love to perform, and uh, I hope to be doing this till I guess kill over dead in about 30 years, singing one of the songs I've written. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a perfect way to uh, to go out. Uh, I mean, on this album, too, you write a lot of the songs uh, on it. Um, I mean, as a songwriter, too, uh, are there any particular songs off this album that you are most proud of? Well, it's like I've always said about my songs. They're, they're my children, and <laughs> I hope to have them support me when I'm old. That's kind of my favorite <laughs> jokes, but it's true. And so they're like your kids. You you know, you love them all. Some of them are a little more special, and you, you can sense that and know that. doesn't mean you love them less, but some of the songs I really enjoy singing. I love the song, If I Had Wings 
because I love to sing that kind of song. I love to write that, that kind of song. It's got that old world feeling, songs I used to sing growing up. Got a little bit of that spiritual flavor to it. And I love the little song, Miss You, Miss Me, because it came from a very personal place with something going on in my own family. And I think so many people can relate to it because of so many people divorcing and the kids always wind up suffering the most. So those two are real special to me, but I enjoy doing songs like the rewrite, reworking of Lay Your Hands on Me, the Bon Jovi song. It's like fun to get in and cover other people's songs like the Bob Dylan, Don't Think Twice. So it's always, uh, you know, there's always a challenge and it's always, uh, you know, fun to to experiment with new things. Which is always, uh, yeah, good to sort of uh, have along the way. Now, you mentioned, obviously, and we've already spoken about it, the, the Bon Jovi cover, um, but there are also some superstar duets on this CD, including, uh, of course, uh, with Bob, uh, sorry, with Willie Nelson, who, of course, uh, you guys uh, go back uh, a very long time. And, of course, there's another one on there with Kenny Rogers. Now, um, along the years, uh, Dolly, with all your uh, history with uh, the great Willie Nelson, I mean, do you have a a favourite Willie Nelson story that you'd like to share with us today? I've loved Willie, like you said, even before Kenny. uh, Willie and I came to town at the same time. We both, back in 1964, 65, 66, we both were writing for Combine Music, Fred Foster on Monument Records and we used to hang out a lot together different people, even Christopherson back in those days, you know, we all knew each other and we used to sit around and write different songs whether we were writing together or separately it was one of those places where everybody kind of flopped down there in the basement of Monument Records and everybody's kind of hanging around so I got to know them, they got to know me and Willie and I are so similar we both start, you know, we were at the Combine Monument then we both went to RCA so I've known him all of the days I've been in Nashville and I just love him. I think he's a character. And when we got ready to do the song, Willie called me. He was doing his album of all the girls he'd loved before or made love to. I don't know. <laughs> I was one of the girls he loved. We never <laughs> we never had a thing going. It's a wonder, though. But anyway, <laughs> could have happened. But anyway, he, he was doing that. And he said, well, I, I want to do duets with all the, the great gals that I love. And I love your song, From Here to the Moon and Back which is a song I had written for Joyful Noise. And so he said, I can really play the hell out of that guitar on on that particular song. So I said, well, let's go for it. So we did it, and it was just singing with him was the hardest job I've ever had in my life because we both phrase different. And you would think, though, that we're both so unusual in our style that we would just really blend. Oh, I mean, it worked me to death. And Now, I, he had already put his vocal down, and so I was trying to sing to him, and I called him up and said, Willie, you should have sent me a sack of dope if you thought. If you thought I was going to keep up with you, I don't know whether to forge ahead or to really lay back. But anyway, we finally did it. I never did quite catch him, but I think the blend of it worked out really well. Well, it did indeed. And, um, wow, that's that's interesting. And, of course, the other duet I mentioned, uh, Kenny Rogers, um, on on the album uh, as well uh, with the song You Can't Make Old Friends. Uh, I mean, how, how was it uh, to record with Kenny and uh, I mean, did you guys record in the same studio together? Well, I tell you this day and time, it's really hard to get anybody in the studio with you because everybody's schedules are so different. But all through the years, I have worked with Kenny in the studio. But on this particular one, he we worked together, though, in the studio. He had already put his vocal down, uh, but he was there in the studio when I was doing mine. We had a film crew and all that. So I love Kenny. I just absolutely love him. We're just so connected. He's just like a brother, like a like a twin you know we're kind of like twin souls somehow and i love the blend of our voices too so and this particular song was very emotional 
to me, as well as to Kenny and any of you, I'm sure, that's had a, a friend, true friend. You can't make old friends. It's like my friend Judy and I have been together since we were in the third grade. Now, I make a lot of friends, and I have a lot of friends. You just can't make those kind of friends. And Kenny is a dear friend in addition to a great singing partner and a great human being. So, But we were there. We were together, and he was coaching me along to say, he said, well, I had to do mine first because I'm going to embarrass myself in case I hit some bad notes in front of the cameras. I said, oh, so you left my ass out there to, to suffer. So thank you, Kenny. That's an old friend for you. <laughs> a good old friend. <laughs> yes, it certainly appears that way. And uh, now also on this album, I should say, though, uh, Bob Dylan cover uh, on this one, uh, You Don't Think Twice. Now, uh, wh- why choose this song, Dolly? And, and was this your first ever Bob Dylan cover that you've done? No, I've uh, recorded other Bob Dylan songs in the past. Blowing in the Wind, I had on, you know, a record years ago that I forget the name of the record now, <laughs> but where I did all classics and old old things. But I did that, and I've, through the years I've, I've been singing his songs. But I just loved that particular song, and I thought it was very simple. And my original idea was just me and the guitar just singing it. Then we wound up putting other music to it. But it was just one of those songs that I often sit around and just sing. Kent Wells had heard me singing it, and he said, we should put that in the album. And so we did. But I love Bob's songs. He's different, unusual, weird guy, and I love weird people. He's a poet, and I love his depth. I love how he thinks. It's just He's just out there, and I like to get out there, too. Well, that's uh, what we like to hear in Weird People. Nothing wrong with this. Uh, now, of course, with the album comes a tour. I've been touring the globe with this one. Uh, of course, he even including right here to Australia at the beginning of the year. Now, um, what, what's it like touring now compared to, say, when you were on the road 30 years ago and you were doing it? Well, it's better now because I already have built an audience, so you know you're going to have an audience, you're going to have a crowd. Used to, mm. I used to worry if anybody's going to show up, so <laughs> that's been, more than anything, that's a great relief to think, oh yeah, they're telling me they're, you know, they're sell- the tickets are selling really good. Mm. It's fun for me still because I just love the audience. I love to perform. Of course, I love to write songs better than anything, but then again, I love to go sing them. I love to get out on stage and perform them. So it's kind of like a all-around thing for me, but I still enjoy it as much as I did in the old days. That's uh, what we like to hear, and I mean, how do you get ready for a tour? I mean, are there things that you've got to prepare, like a million things that go into to putting a tour together, of course, but, um, you know, I mean, do you supervise it? How, how do you supervise everything that kind of goes along? Well, that's a very good question. Most people don't think that deep to think about what all goes into a tour, because I tell you, it is really a good year and a half's work before you actually hit the road, because first of all, you've got to decide if you really want to do the tour. Second, you've got to decide what you want to the show to be, you know, how what the show needs to be. Then you've got to get with your promoters. You've got to get with the people that have to try to sell it and to see what time of year is the best time to go. Then you've got to get in and work for weeks and weeks and weeks rehearsing the show. And it's only after you hit the road that you can really rest. It's like, to me, I'm serious. It's like, I always think, oh, Lord, just let us get on the road so I can get some sleep and get some rest. <laughs> all you do after your whole show is together, once you've got your lighting, your sound, and your people, all that, you know, which is just major, major work to be done by so many people. Then after that, all we have to do is a sound check in the afternoon and a show at night. And the rest of the time, we can pretty much rest and read or write or do whatever you want to do, but your show is together. But it's a lot of work, but it's a joy. Mm, I can imagine all that work. Uh, definitely. I mean, how, how with sort of being on the road so much and 
all the work that you're mentioning and sort of the rest that you're mentioning. I mean, what what do you do to make sure that yourself and your crew stay healthy on the road? I mean, especially your voice, given that, you know, you're traveling internationally into all different parts of the world. Yes, and that's a very good question too. We, uh, when we travel overseas, we have our own caterer that's with us all the time because different ones have different health problems or some are vegetarian, some... Uh, you know, need to do this, need to do that. And so we really have a great chef that really provide really good food in addition to junk if we want it, desserts and all that sort of thing. But they also can uh, really take care of everybody. And just like I had just mentioned, I don't have anything to do after the show. And so I pretty much just lay around and rest my voice, read or write, do things where I don't really talk. I don't do interviews and things during the day when we're on the road because I do have to rest my body and my voice. Same with everybody else. And we're all pretty uh, health conscious because we've, we're all older. Most of the people in my band, we've worked together for a long time. So we all know what we need to do. And there's some that kind of get out and get a little rowdy. They pay the price, but they're usually younger. They can afford a hangover where some of us can't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you can still have a hangover every now and then, Dolly. Uh, I mean, on tour, uh, you know, sort of all the people that you've worked on, sort of touching back to when we're saying recording on uh, before. But, I mean, have you sort of got somebody you dreamt of uh, performing with on stage, perhaps, uh, after all these years? Well, that's a very good question. (laughs) I thought the other day I had a funny thought. I know that in uh, Nashville, we have the famous uh, goo-goo clusters, you know, the the, uh, chocolate and nut clusters that we're very famous for. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I represent those well, and I send those out to people all the time to Hollywood. And I was thinking, maybe if me and Lady Gaga got together, we could be (laughs) Gaga and (laughs) goo-goo. That'd be good on the Grammys, wouldn't it? Here comes Gaga and Goo Goo. Oh, Goo Goo Gaga over those girls. <laughs> wow. Didn't even think of that. That would work out very well, particularly at the Grammys. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure that would be one interesting uh, collaboration uh, indeed. Uh, now, the tour that we were talking about, of course, uh, as I said, came to Australia uh, very early on this year, back in February. Uh, Travelled right around uh, various uh, corners of this country. Uh, I mean, was the tour here in Australia, Dolly, uh, a good time for you? Yeah, we did. We love going overseas because you don't get to go that often. Of course, Australia, I've been, I've had fans there since the early 70s, late 60s. And the same with with Europe because it, since songs like Coat of Many Colors and things like that, a lot of people related to me back then. So I kind of started building a fan base. Then when I had was lucky enough to get to do movies. They kind of related to that as well. And so when you go overseas like that, especially Australia, where they really are country people, they really relate to me and the, the way I grew up and the stories I tell and the family uh, stuff that I talk about. And they really know that you're not going to be likely to just run over there on a weekend. You know, <laughs> it's like 20 hours flying and, you know, and then you got to get all the people that you take. So they really know they may not get to see you again. And so they really are so responsive. They're just so excited and so excitable and exciting that it's, it really makes it a, a joy. I mean, of course, here I have wonderful fans, and I wouldn't ever put one against the other in a group of fans, but they just seem to want to show you more in case they don't get to see you again. They want you to know how much they're, they appreciate you, and that's a good feeling, and I give them everything i got, too, because I don't know when I'll see them again. Well, hopefully we'll see you again um, sooner rather than later. And, I mean, one thing that you put out for us here in Australia, amazing uh, medley uh, for us uh, on YouTube. I mean, 
tell us a little bit about putting that uh, medley together, Dolly, for uh, your Australian fans. Well, when you put a show together, it is so hard to know what to do because you can't just do your hits because sometimes that don't make for a good flow because you really have to think when you're doing a show. You've got to think now. There are all these people out there, and the dynamics of the show have to... You know, you can't just go bam, bam, bam or sing a bunch of slow songs in a row. So you've got to ch- pick and choose. Plus, every hit record is not necessarily a great entertaining song. Mm. So songs like Applejack, even though that was never a single, that's just a song that was in an album. But it's a great it's a great song for entertaining. So because you try to put together the perfect show with the right amount of things, you realize that you've left out so many songs that people love, even the number ones. You know, And so as years go by, you have other things and you just kind of forget. So when we got together with this show, because when we were on tour the last time, different ones had said, well, why didn't you sing this or why didn't you sing that? You don't really know what their favorites are. So I went through the promoters to find out when we went back to see what the favorite songs were, like in Australia and New Zealand, and the same with overseas or in Europe that we're going to in the in the summer. And so they gave us a big long list of songs, and so I just put them together. We made them into medleys, and uh, so at least you know you can do in what five six minutes bits and pieces of five or six songs. <laughs> well, that's a way of uh, working it out. I mean, are, are there differences and similarities? Or I should say, what differences and similarities do you find between uh, your U.S., Australian, your international? fans out there when you are on the road we've had a lot of people ask us about canada and more dates in the states and we will eventually i'm sure but not on this particular run because we're we're calling our world tour we did some american shows at the start of the year and then we went to australia for a month and new zealand which was great and then we're going to uh, europe for five weeks we're leaving in june and come back into july but we love our fans no matter where. In America, they know they'll get to see you if you go somewhere. They don't have to get on a plane or get on a boat and travel so far. <laughs> and so usually when we go overseas, they want us to know how much they love us and appreciate us. So they're really, really responsive. And it's really a nice, nice feeling. So fans are fans, and I love them all. And, you know, we're different here in the States. We're, you know, we all react our however we, we do. But over there, they just really, they don't know if they'll ever see you again. And you don't know if you're going to see them again so i give it all i've got and they give it all they've got so it really makes for a nice fun show fantastic uh, is there anywhere in the world that you've uh well sorry that you haven't performed that you really would like to in the united states we've been almost everywhere when we just left new zealand i had not been to new zealand in like 30 years but i had been to australia so we had a chance to go back same with europe uh it's been years since i was in germany probably 30 years or so we're going to uh sweden Switzerland, and I think we've been to every place, but it's been many, many years since we've been to some of them. Well, uh, good to see you catch up. Maybe you can come to Hobart one time, Dolly, and uh, check us out uh, down here. Now, um, you know, obviously touring the world, recording albums, uh, you know, very busy life that you do lead, Dolly, but when you do get some downtime, some time to yourself, I mean, what do you do in your downtime? What do you do to relax and really feel good? Well, I'm very close to my family. A lot of times I'll babysit with my little nieces and nephews and my little grandnieces and nephews because I live out on a farm. They love to come out and play with me. We get our golf carts and go all over the place, pack a little picnic lunch, go to the back fields, have a little picnic. I love to read. I love to cook. My husband and I have an RV and we go out every weekend, pack a picnic or stop and get food at some of the you know, drive through fast food restaurants and <laughs> go down on a riverbank and stuff. So I'm, I look like a party dog but I don't do much party and I really enjoy my time with family. It's always very important to uh, spend that time with family, uh, of course. Now, 
we've sort of touched a little bit on uh, the, the longevity of your amazing career, um, you know, hitting so many decades and so many highs. And uh, look, you've got so many fans of touched on the fans as well. They range um, from various age groups, uh, you know, from your older fans to younger fans who sort of discover you. And, um, you know, with such a history of work, how how do you stay so, I suppose you could say, loved and relevant, Dolly? I mean, you always seem to have your finger tapped into what people really like. I mean, you're very honest in your work. I mean, how, how do you feel you, you stay that way and, and, and stay relevant? Well, first of all, people are going to always be people. We're going to have the same thoughts, the same heartaches, you know, and everybody, no matter what's going on in the world, we have our true feelings, whether it's you know, our faith in God, our faith in family, our love for one another, for our children. And I just love life. I've kept a good attitude about it. Who knows why we're really here? So I figured we need to make the most of everything we can while we're here. And I was just, I had just enough talent, you know, to get out there and make a living at it. I always said I have more guts than I had talent but my mother's people were very musical and so I just wanted to make a career out of doing this and I I just love people and I've kind of always allowed people to know me and they I think people think of me more of like an aunt or a sister because they've grown up with me and one of the reasons I think I have a lot of younger fans a lot of the older ones have their children and they play the records around home they kind of grow up with me too and then uh, with the little kids with with my imagination library where I give books out to children and the fact that Hannah Montana I was Hannah Montana's aunt in the, that very hit show. So that gave me a whole new little audience. So I've just always managed to to be on the job, to be there where nobody could... I didn't want them to forget me, so I try to stay out front. And that's uh, the way it uh, works, which is fantastic. Now, um, sort of going back to uh, the album kind of over this longevity of your career we've talked about touring changing over the years everything along those lines I mean this is your 42nd album amazing um, and I'd love to know that the recording process I mean obviously we can understand technology and that advances over the years so um, you know a lot of technology and all that changes but I mean how does the recording process in general change over the career, I mean, over over your life, Dolly, in the music industry? Oh, Lord, everything is so different than it was when I first came to Nashville. I mean, I, I even started recording songs before I came to Nashville, but in 1964, when I came here, it was so different, where you just would go in the studio, and most of the stuff was live. You'd do like a three-hour session. You'd maybe have five songs and hope you got them in, and you'd just go from one song to the next, and people didn't do all the stuff they do now anymore. You don't even have to be in the studio to record you can they can do the music the pro tools and all the technology you can sing from your living room so it's completely different but i still when i record my album i still love to go in the the recording studio with my band which is mostly the same people that i travel with and or bring in some of the great musicians from around the country especially out of nashville and so i still like doing it like we used to years ago just so i can keep that feel because i'm just an old timer and i i think it's wonderful all the new technology and all this new age stuff, but I'm still an old-timer in that way, and I still love to really feel the music and work with the musicians and get in there and sing and just do it like as much as like we used to as we did. But even the sale of everything, the way people market the music, it's just completely different. I don't know if I'd have ever made it in this new day and age if I was starting right now. So I'm just thankful that I, I got in it early and I'm still hanging around. You certainly are. And I mean, speaking of kind of new things today, uh, Twitter, social media, Facebook, you know, YouTube, it's all sort of, that's what 
all about really today, isn't it, Dolly? I mean, it's all there to help promote you and get it out there. And, and you're very uh, relevant on social media, I suppose you could say. You've got a very strong Twitter and Facebook following, YouTube hits, all that sort of stuff. I mean, how has social media helped you connect with your fans? Well, it's a new day and age, that's for sure. You can cover more ground in 10 minutes this day and time than you used to be able to do in 10 years time so I think it's great that people are you know so aware and everything can be had at the moment so the fact that I'm still around I try to surround myself with younger talented people that are so into that that medium and I myself I'm kind of an old timer but I'm not old in my thinking I like I say I'm as old as yesterday but I'm as new as tomorrow so I try to get myself in a good position to where I can still get my message out get my talent out so I'm just thrilled that I'm still hanging in there. Well, it's uh, good to hear. Now, uh, of course, with all this longevity, um, you know, new artists always emerging. We sort of touched on it before that a lot of people kind of look to you, uh, you know, as a mentor and advisor, sort of as a, as a role model, um, you know, not just through your singing, but through your writing, being an artist, you know, just generally being Dolly Parton. I mean, do you have advice out there for new artists that perhaps come through and and look up to you or just new artists in general well uh as i've often said i try not to give advice i just try to pass on some information you know if there's anything i can do but i think it's true with everything like those old sayings of to thine own self be true i really think there's so much into that that people really need to know who they are what they really want and know what the strengths of whatever their talent really is and i think you need to be willing to sacrifice for that if you have to you've got to protect it you've got to fight for it and if you really are that good and you really have that much faith in it, if you really stay at it long enough, chances are it'll it'll happen. And if it don't, I've always said if you're really dreaming an impossible dream, maybe uh, you should know that it's okay to change dreams in the middle of a stream. If it's something that you see that's not going to happen, it's still good to rework it and rethink what, you know, and apply what you've learned from the other stuff to a new dream. Mm, definitely good thoughts there. Well, sort of going back to your songwriting, we were talking a little bit about before uh, i mean over the years have you kind of established a, a routine in in writing your songs i mean do you have a particular place that you like to to write your songs a particular routine of maybe how you sort of sit down just before you are uh, start working on a new song well actually i write all kinds of ways sometimes i'll wake up in the middle of the night and write something down or something i've dreamed or if I'm taking a bath, I always keep a little tape recorder or a notepad somewhere. If I'm flying, I always carry with my notepads and my little recorder so I don't miss a melody. And I can write anywhere, anytime, for any reason. But my favorite thing to do is to be able to plan in advance, like a couple of weeks, to where I say, I'm taking off two weeks, I'm doing nothing but writing, don't bother me, don't call me, I don't want to hear from nothing or nobody. And so then I love to either go up to my old mountain home or out to my lake house or somewhere and really kind of get in the spirit for a couple of days and then really just let it flow and just write, 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 write until I get tired of it and then I come back home and because usually I will have taken off my big set of long acrylic nails so I can really pick the guitar <laughs> when I'm writing serious. Then when I'm all done, I'll come back to town and get a new set of phony nails put on and uh, get back at it. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, you've also been known to, to write on your birthday as well, Dolly. I mean, are there any standout songs that you've actually written on your birthday? Well, I wrote a soldier song. I can't think of the name of it on one. And, of course, my, my favorite, now that you've got me, I'm so old also, I forget. But the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, only Dreaming was the song that uh, 
was my favorite song that I wrote on my birthday. It's one of my very favorite songs. It was when I was doing 9 to 5, the musical, and it was my birthday, and I was going to a reading of of the show. And I was coming through New York, and I was looking at all those buildings, and I saw a little bit of green over there in Central Park, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. I thought, well, I'm going to write a song, but I'm going to make it country, because here I am as, you know, country girl, city girl, country girl in the city. And so I just started, and I just started singing those old-time if Oh, I know I'm old dreaming and it was like i was just trying to get myself as far back in the hills as i could thinking this little country girl has come all the way from the mountains all the way to new york all the way to broadway and i'm going to present a you know broadway show so i wrote the corniest countryest thing i could think of so that one is the one that stands out more than all the others but i always write sometimes i write more than one song on my birthday but i always make it a point to write and all of them are not out there you know in in the public but some of them are like that one fantastic Fantastic indeed. Now, uh, nearly at the end, uh, Dolly, but uh, such an amazing voice. We just kind of heard a, a bit of a teaser of it there. Uh, how how do you keep uh, your voice in such amazing shape? Because I sing all the time. I never, you know, I'm, I'm always working. It's like anything else. You keep it going and that's that's what you do. But I love to sing. And I really think, I listen to some of my old records. You know, I really think I have a better voice than I used to because I've developed it. It's like anything else. You just kind of work at it. I think it's just a matter of just using my voice because I'm always recording. I'm always writing songs. I either go in and do some demos, even if I'm not on tour or not making records. I still go in and in the the recording studio and, and sing but i sing all the time just sitting around the house that easy maybe i need to do that with my voice now uh, dolly before we let you go uh just want to actually ask and i'm sure it's probably a question you've been asked a lot over the years uh i mean what to you is the the one moment that is the greatest moment in your entire career i don't have like that kind of a moment but i am always so appreciative of the great highlights you know in my career like when the Kennedy honors you know that was a real special time in my life because I felt like well I'm old enough now and I guess I've done enough because you don't know what's going to happen to you when you start out with your dreams as a child you just hope they all come true and you spend your whole life working don't even realize how hard you're working and what all is going on and then all of a sudden when somebody else has seen it then it makes you feel really proud so I'd have to say that's one of the proudest times to where some really important people different than your family or your friends saying it but I'd like to say well if that many special people think I've done something then then I must have you know done pretty good as I mentioned when you start out with your dreams you don't know what's going to happen and it's only now that I've been so lucky that I've lived long enough to look back on my career and I'll see stuff on TV that's about me and I'll think good lord when did I have time to do all that did I do that how did I do that when did I do that when did I sleep it's only when you're older and then you you look back you don't know how people are going to remember you and the fact that people seem to have been very kind to me through the years now that I'm older I get even more humble about it and I'm so grateful and thankful that uh, I've had a chance to see my dreams come true unlike so many people in this world that never can say that but the fact that I've loved it and enjoyed it and had the people stay with me all those years so I ain't done yet it's had its hard times for sure it's not as glamorous as it looks but I wouldn't trade it and I wouldn't change it and I'm grateful for it and we are definitely grateful for your time absolute huge honour Dolly having you on the show and really do appreciate it people can check out of course uh, the latest album from Dolly Parton entitled Blue Smoke the 42nd album amazingly enough uh, it is in stores now, of course, uh, available online to download as well. And uh, you can follow Dolly Parton on Twitter 
by uh, going to at Dolly Parton. It is really that simple. Uh, absolute honour having that chat here today on the Brink and Edge Radio, and we'd like to thank her management and everything for making that happen. Uh, as always, here to bring you the big names in the Brink and Edge Radio, and we really hope you have enjoyed this one today. As of next week, the final few episodes, as you probably heard Mallory and I talk about, will be some best ofs. We'll have a best of 2019 for you next week, followed by two best of the decades to close out the decade. Going to play a bit of a snippet of one for you now. This one is from actually Eurovision, our Eurovision podcast we did a couple of weeks ago to wrap up Junior Eurovision and our co-host Jared. Well, he got a bit excited when it came to trying to sell Poland. Yeah, I didn't understand the intros at all. Uh, the telescope, the fact that it was pointing down, because I think was meant to tie into that they're in the tower that they sh- showed at the start. But like to me, I'm like, why? Like they're looking at the ground through a telescope. Um, and then like, what was with like the six garbage collectors who were in all the intros? Like, who are they famous in Poland? Like, are they like some group or something? What was the deal with this? And then talk about like advertising your country, like coin football uh, a flash mob with five spectators um rock paper scissors like this is like not a good tourist campaign for poland come to poland and you can play rock paper scissors like that's a great way to spend a couple of thousand dollars getting there meet our meet our famous garbage collectors and if you're lucky they'll collect your garbage um what what is poland known for I mean, serious question. I don't want. To, I don't want to actually go to the obvious one because there's probably a negative side one we can think of from like 1939. But besides that, what is Poland known for? You tell me. I did not get any information <laughs> from these things apart from coin soccer. I can coin name hacky sack, which they called um, like foot bag or something. Because then I was like, no, it's not called that. Um, evidently, it was there was some copyright issues there. Even the places they showed, like the museum, there was nobody there. Like a couple of castles where all you can do is play soccer in the backyard, and one kid hogs the ball the entire time. Like that was just, it was not great. Because the, the, they're all excited, Jared. They're out in the street. The famous garbage men are there, so they don't want to go to the museum. Like there's all the garbage kids kicking foot bag or whatever it's called all the human forms of transport human bicycle human skateboard human boat like (laughs) why was that a thing and and like that's what these people do for a living but like are they like the umbilical brothers but like there's six of them (laughs) the public transport goes through the sewers and they look very happy that they're going through there um, I mean, look, Poland, I'm sure you're a lovely country. I mean, you gave us Magnus Dabansky. Fantastic. Thank you. Robert Kubica, your Formula One driver. Great. Um, we host an Olympics podcast. I'm, I'm struggling right now to think of a famous Polish athlete who's won an Olympic medal. Uh, <laughs> gosh, this is, this is a country we all know, but doesn't really have a lot to show for it except for garbage men and foot bags. Yes, I definitely agree with him. Poland didn't do many favours in selling themselves during that. And you're going to hear more great clips of that coming your way next week as we play the best of 2019 in a super fun way to close out what has been a super fun year. It is time to wrap it up and wrap up our last normal episode for the year. Any final thoughts? What's on the phone right now? Um, We've made a little bet this week, actually, for the Ben and Mal Variety Hour that if she can go the entire episode without using her phone, uh, I will pay for popcorn. But this will be the last reminder that I will do. I will not let her... If she touches that phone... 
uh, as we record. But the thing is, I'm still confused about what we're going to do for the game. I will get mine ready beforehand, and then I will pass you over my phone so you can look at it. I think that that's the point where I'll forget, though, because generally with the game, you look at me and say, we need to get lists, and then I start looking for my list. So Well, may- maybe we could organize it early, and you could write it down like tonight or tomorrow, and then that way you don't have to be tempted. You, you see, that would be smart. If you do things like that. Probably won't. Probably won't. Um, but thank you to everyone for tuning in. It's been a lot of fun. Next week, I'm very excited. We are bringing you our annual best of the year. And if you think it's a little bit early, you're wondering, well, you don't usually do that to write at the end of the year. Because the following two weeks, we will have the best of the decade. We're going to celebrate all the greatest moments that were the 2010s, which, what's besides meeting me, what's your highlight of the 2010s? Vancouver. Oh, wait, they lost. Sorry. Shut up. That was rude. <laughs> Uh, getting my braces off. Aw. What about Canada winning the gold in 2010 in Vancouver? That was pretty good. That made my top 10 moments of the sporting decade. Just wanted to share that with you. No? Was... Graduating high school? Yeah, well, that's great that that happened this decade for you. <laughs> Doesn't make me feel old at all. <laughs> you know, things like that. I, I graduated know. high school closer to the turn of the millennium. That's scary. Um, cool. Um, mine was meeting you. Oh, and interview Michael Schumacher. Whether or not I could choose between the two, I don't know. Um, But thank you to everyone for tuning in to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, all the relevant channels. And, of course, we'll be back for the best of. I'm very excited. Good best of this year. Very bumper best of as well. So it's probably about a three-hour episode that you're going to enjoy next week. So get get into it, folks, because it's going to be fun. Uh, And then enjoy the best of the decades as well. Uh, But until we next speak again... Keep sucking those oranges. Hobbit, 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 Gurgle, and goodness.